you feel if the Penguins sold advertising to place on the players' helmets this coming season? Wait, 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 wait. Better question. How would you feel if there were no NHL season at all in 2021? Because that's part of this equation. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. A report from Sportsnet in Canada revealed that the NHL and the NHL's Players Association are jointly discussing different ways, creative ways, for everyone to make money in this bizarre season that they're very evidently planning to begin on January 13. That's the kind of thing that if this were baseball, football, even basketball, you'd have all kinds of howls. Oh, no, you can't do that. No, uniforms have never had that. That's sacred. If when you look at the old pictures of Clemente and Jackie Robinson and whatever else, they never had ads on their uniforms and everything else. Um, And a lot of that would be righteous in another time. In another time. Because as we've all seen in 2020, every team in every league lost money in every possible way. This isn't one of those where you're pounding the fist on the table hoping to uh, demand that somebody opens their books or investigate or whatever. Everybody's lost money. There can't be any question about that. But with hockey, as ever, it's a very different scenario. And you're thinking, too, as a hockey fan, about those uniforms that you see in Europe, uh, particularly in the Scandinavian countries. They are just caked with ads, head to toe. They look like car racers. And it's not just a helmet. It's not just a shoulder patch or anything like that. It is everywhere. It's head to bleeping toe. And it's not a great look. It's not. You can't even tell what team they're representing with some of these uniforms because they're so covered with ads that it all gets obfuscated. This is uh, one of those cases where you wonder about, you know, cracking the door and letting too much in because once you do say, okay, yeah, we're going to allow advertising on helmets, where does it stop? And the following year, they say, well, let's just do a shoulder patch, too. Okay, we'll do a shoulder patch. All right, well, how about just this one thing? And it it does keep going. But you know what? Where the NHL is concerned, and only the NHL out of North America's four major professional sports, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. My reasons for it are a little bit cynical, though. The NHL... And the people who run it, and the people who run the individual teams, like to think of themselves as being on the same parallel as the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NBA, when in fact they are not. Hockey has a lot of great things going for it. I'm a hockey lifer, as a lot of you will already know. 
it's always been my baby first and foremost. But because I've been that into it, I also have a pretty good grasp of where its shortcomings are. And one of them is this. Hockey has always behaved, the NHL specifically, as if it's already at that same plateau with the other three sports. And it's not. And that has actually held it back. It's held it back. Let's switch back to these car racers. The reason that NASCAR and IndyCar and Formula One and every other auto racing circuit all the way down to Lernerville's dirt track here in western Pennsylvania sell ads on the cars, on the tires, on the windshield wipers, on the gas cap, on absolutely every part of the human who's driving the car or their pit crew and everything else, the reason they do that is because they accept that they need other ways to make money. They don't match themselves up with the NFL and say, well, we need to behave like that because they know that the NFL is pulling in literally billions of dollars every year. They know this. They accept it. They don't try to pretend that they're the NFL. I say that this is a cynical sentiment mostly because some of you have heard me over the years complain about the way the NHL, more than any other league, treats its media. They act like we're a nuisance to them more than any other sport that I cover times 10. They act as if they don't need us, we need them. When in fact, the polar opposite is true and has been forever. The NHL's television revenues are a fraction, a sliver of even what the NBA gets and the NBA's third in that line. Hockey is miles behind. And there are different metrics that could convince you that it's behind auto racing as well, since I'm bringing up the cars. And yet the NHL is like, no, we could never have ads on our uniforms because look around at the rest of the major professional sports. Well, guess what? The rest of the major professional sports are making other monies. You aren't. You aren't. Do what you got to do. Ultimately, try to build up your sport in a way that your uniforms don't become completely obnoxious. Work to make it more entertaining, more engaging, more involving of uh, younger players and kids in areas where there isn't an NHL franchise. Do all that stuff, but at the same time, make money. Make money. Find a way. Don't get too proud over this. Don't worry about what's on the back of the Green Bay Packers helmets. You're not the Packers. The Packers are making an absolute killing in TV money. The Packers probably make more. I don't have the numbers right in front of me. They probably make more as a team than the NHL does as a league when it comes to outside revenue, total outside revenue from everywhere else. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. 
and they play in a village. They play in a place that's just a bunch of one-story houses and a McDonald's around the corner. And if you think I'm kidding, then you've never been to Green Bay, Wisconsin. But they pull in the cash. They don't have to do stuff like this. The NHL does. Hockey fans will understand. Hockey fans will get it. It's not that big a deal. Let's see some ads. Let's see some actual hockey while we're at it. When we come back, I'll be joined by Dave Molinari. Welcome back. I'm joined now by Dave Molinari, Hall of Fame hockey writer for DK Pittsburgh Sports. Hi, Dave. How are you, Dan? Oh, does anybody answer that question like in a positive sense anymore? Does anybody say, hey, Dave, I'm awesome today? Only if they're lying. Exactly. Exactly. Let's talk some hockey here, like actual hockey, or or at least try. What's that? Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, The state of the Penguins goaltending I wonder if it's being, what's the term I'm looking for here? Like underplayed in terms of concern. Uh, Are we too comfortable? Are the Penguins, more importantly, too comfortable with the concept that Tristan Jari is just ready to take this thing and run? Well, I mean, I I think there has to be. I don't know that I would characterize it as concern on their part, but but there has to be uncertainty simply because he has never been a number one guy at the NHL level for a, a really extended period. Uh, you know, if, if there's a season uh, in 2021, it's not going to be a full season, you know, an 82-game regular season. So we, we won't get to see how he would hold up, you know, playing – 65 games uh but no as i say we we don't know how when he's uh making you know two-thirds or up to three-quarters of the starts uh over you know an entire regular season regardless of how long it is you know we we don't know how he'll he'll perform how he'll hold up you know not only to the the physical demands of it but but the the mental ones of you know getting up game after game after game, you know, the, uh, they have a capable backup in Casey DeSmith, but I don't think they have any, uh, interest in if they, uh, truly do intend to try to, uh, compete for a Stanley cup in relying on Casey DeSmith to give them the goaltending that would make that possible. See, that's, what's funny about, about Jari and maybe you have a better read on him than I've ever been able to develop. Um, but usually with a goaltender, you mentioned the mental aspect and that made me think of this. You have a sense for how they tick, you know, what makes them go. Um, and we did see to Jari's considerable credit at the beginning of the 2019, 20 season, he came into a situation where he really shouldn't even have been on the roster on opening day, the way that was all set up. Uh, he was the one who didn't have to clear waivers, could have gone down. Casey DeSmith just got the NHL contract. It looked like he was going to be the backup, and Jari fought for it. But yet his demeanor, Dave, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but sharing with the listeners, 
you can never tell. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you have no idea what's going on in his head. And he's friendly and he's amiable and he'll tell you anything, but it doesn't give you a real feel for him. I don't know. I, I just, that's, I guess that's maybe one of the concerns that I have is I, is whether or not that aspect is there. Like, what was that fighter thing that we saw him battle his way into becoming ultimately this team's number one goaltender when he shouldn't even have been number two last year? Well, he's, you know, he wears like uh, so many people now, he wears a mask at work. And so you <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> you can't really see, you know, the expression on his face, you know, w- when he's working. Uh, you know, we see him in the locker room or now on Zoom calls. Um, and so, you know, we, we get a sense of his demeanor in those settings, but not necessarily uh, what, it, what it's like when he's on the ice. And, you know, he wouldn't be the first guy to have somewhat of a, of a different personality, a different demeanor uh, during games than he does, you know, uh, after practices or after games or whatever. I mean, he, he does seem come across as a pretty happy-go-lucky guy. Certainly, uh, I've never seen any indication of he, him being stressed out about anything. No. Uh-uh. But, but, you know, he has... Uh, competed in some some pretty high stakes settings uh to this point in his career including you know with his uh his junior team in Edmonton competing for for a Memorial Cup championship mm-hmm. uh so you know he's shown that at lower levels at least he he can uh take being the man for his team and, and handle that role well but you know, the, the NHL is, is a different animal and, and we won't know how he responds to that challenge until he's actually been put through it. And then there's the last question that I have for you on the goaltending subject is that depending on how the NHL's schedule comes out, uh, meaning th- how it shapes up, I should say, we've heard that obviously it's going to be pretty compacted. They want to get a lot of games in and not a lot of time, but we've also heard that they would play these quote-unquote baseball-type series where you go into somebody else's city and you stay there to play two games, three games, whatever it is. That sounds to me like the kind of scenario in which you're not just going to lean on the same goaltender. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's that's where I wonder how much much Casey DeSmith actually matters to this equation. Oh, he does matter. I mean, because the Penguins are going to need every point they can get. Um, you know, they're no longer the dominant force that they were, you know, a few years back where, you know, they could, uh, get through a, uh, a regular season, you know, comfortably, uh, knowing that a, a playoff spot w- was a lock. Uh, so no, they're, they're going to need Casey DeSmith to play well. Um, and I, you know, I don't think it's guaranteed yet that there will be the baseball type series. I think that's, that's one of the options that, that's on the table, just like the, uh, the mini hub, uh, cities concept mm-hmm. is, but no, the, the penguins are, are going to need solid work at the very least from both of their goaltenders. I mean, they, they just, you know. They're not dominant enough, uh, especially at forward anymore, uh, 
to to get by with anything less. And the one thing always to bear in mind is that the general manager happens to have been a goaltender himself. And anytime he's needed goaltending assistance, uh, he has not hesitated to go out and get it. So if something were to happen to Jari uh, and or DeSmith, I don't think he's going to be running to Maxime Lagasse in Wilkes-Barre. I think he's going to go to the outside. You would think. I mean, that that obviously would depend on the, on the situation at the time. You know, how, what their record was like, how, how seriously uh, they needed a, a uh, another NHL caliber goaltender. But uh, yeah, it uh, you know the uh, Jim Rutherford certainly does appreciate the uh, the significance of, of quality goaltending for for a team that fancies itself a contender. Read Dave Molinari's work at TK Pittsburgh Sports. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. No trouble, Dan. Hang in there. When we come back, just one question. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. back it's time for just one question and that's always brought to you on this program by the good people at the greater pittsburgh community food bank i don't need to sell you i don't need to push you i don't need to urge you i don't need to advise you i don't even need to mention this go to pittsburghfoodbank.org and donate there will never be a more pressing time at least we can hope there will never be another one of these things than right now. One dollar from you is all it takes to provide enough food for up to five meals. If you go to their site, pittsburghfoodbank.org, they actually explain how that works because a lot of people don't believe it. It sounds pretty over the top. But when my family donated $500 a couple months back, it felt like I was donating $500. You know what I'm saying? And whatever $500 would get you is like a couple of trips to the grocery store. But when I saw this explanation and an official of the food bank explained to me how it works, and I realized that our $500 were multiplied into $2,500 meals I couldn't even wrap my head around that. I mean, there's there's not a better gesture that you can make, and there isn't a better time for you to make it. Today's question comes from Dan Staffen. Dan says, for your podcast, who is widely regarded higher, and he puts in parentheses better, I guess higher can be interpreted different ways, on the all-time player and center list at the end of their career, Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid. 
Dan, I don't think this one's going to be close. Um, now, I can say that and tell you, oh, I'm not a homer, Dan. I have just only covered Sidney Crosby's uh, whole career in Pittsburgh and was the only reporter covering him at the Olympics uh, in Vancouver and in Sochi. And, uh, and there's nothing I could say to convince you to the contrary. However, I can also tell you because I had those experiences, particularly the ones with the Olympics, that it's going to be virtually impossible for McDavid to match that, even if somehow magically the Oilers were well run. And I understand that hasn't had a precedent for close to 30 years now. If they were well run and they were somehow to capitalize on having two of the best players on the planet in McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and they were able to surround them with real talent, and they were able to, you know, actually win a playoff round, something like that, then you might see McDavid soar to the top. He's the kind of talent, along with Dreisaitl, who's capable of making that happen. Great players will find a way to win championships. But he's never, I'm sorry, he's never going to win the way Sid did. Sid's claim to fame isn't going to be where he ends up on the all-time points list uh, or where he even ranks in Penguins history because he'll always be second in that category. It's going to be the winning that he's done. He did already win more than Mario. He's won more Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh than Mario did. He's won way more internationally than Mario did. I'm not getting into a, you know, it's not like Mario did something wrong. I'm just trying to lay out where Sid ranks and why. Mike Babcock, when he was coaching Team Canada over in Sochi, said to a group of us one morning after practice at the Bolshoi Ice Dome, that Sid was a serial winner. That's S-E-R-I-A-L, a serial winner. That's how he thought of Sid. Sid would just do whatever was necessary in that game that Canada was playing to win. It didn't matter if he scored. If he scored, great. If he put the golden goal past Ryan Miller in Vancouver, great. If all he did was back check like crazy and protect a one nothing lead, that was fine too. He did whatever had to be done to win the gold medal. That is going to be Sid's legacy in hockey more than anything else. As such, if people like me or you or anyone else in hockey circles or fandom looks at those two players head-to-head, trust me, it's not going to be about points, not in the hockey culture. It's going to be about the winning that was done by one versus the other. And there's, again, no chance for Connor McDavid, especially with the, the start that he's had in going to Edmonton, that he'll ever achieve that. And, hey, by the way, I was the one saying the very night that he grimaced when Edmonton won the lottery, he needed to not go there. He needed to find a way to pull an Eric Lindros or a John Elway or whatever you want to call it and find a way to go to another team 
And here he is now, five years into his career, not having come close to winning a blessed thing. I appreciate the question. That's good stuff. When we uh, come back next Monday, I'm hoping the league really has this stuff nailed down because we are not very far from the target dates for training camp January 3 and the opening of the season January 13. Thanks so much for listening. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.